Welcome to the Companion Pod, your podcast companion for the 2003 hit show, The O.C. My name is Sean. And I'm Tiff. And today's podcast, we will be talking about... Episode two of season one called The Model Home, originally aired August 12th, 2003. I was getting ready for my senior year in high school. And I was getting ready for my sophomore year in college. And 7.9 million people tuned in to watch this episode. All right. Do you want to begin with your two sentence summary? All right. So we have a quite an episode and I have uh, I really have to work hard to make my two sentence summary, you know, two sentences. (laughs) Whatever. I last year or last year. Last episode, I think I had about five paragraphs. It was really tough. Yeah, so here's mine. Maybe some run-on sentences in here. To avoid being put back into the system, Ryan attempts to run away, but Seth catches him and hatches a plan to keep him in an abandoned model home owned by his mother. (laughs) Sentence number one. Uh Sentence number two. Marissa joins the two boys in their caper, but when Luke thinks there's more going on, the plan goes up in, in flames. flames. Oh, that's so good. There you go. That's my two sentence summary. Oh, uh, it's strikingly similar to mine. I, I bet it is. It even begins the same way. To avoid being sent to a group home, <laughs> Ryan decides to run away and start a new life. So I think you and I were on the same page with that. Um, okay, so what would you have named the episode? The episode was called The Model Home. To double meaning, I think. I had two names for it. Um, I'm going to go with the one that's kind of less obvious and wouldn't give away what happens in the show. Very important. Okay. You know, you don't want to give, like, the model home was the actual name. Mm. You know, you get a sense when you're watching it, like, okay, this makes sense. You don't want to give away what happens in the show in the in the title. Right. I used to tell my students, if you're going to name a chapter of a book, you don't want to give the chapter a name that's going to kind of give away what's happening. For example, I had the idea you could call it burning down the house. Not really going to work. <laughs> and just play that song in the background. And then, yeah, and then you just got the talking heads. So I went with um, a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. And I went with that title because it is a phrase that comes up again, like my, my name for last week's episode, Welcome to the Dark Side, which was a reference used twice in the episode. Uh, a little bit of everything was also used twice. Can you remember when this phrase was used, Tiff? No. No. I guess I wasn't watching that intently. Marissa, in classic 2003 style, gives Ryan a mixtape oh, in the model home yes. and says it's a little bit, this is a little bit of everything because it, earlier in the episode, they were talking about music and the car ride over to the model home and she asked Ryan what kind of music he likes and Ryan said, I don't really listen to music, but I kind of like a little bit of everything. Like it. So okay. that's what I went with. Um, okay. Well, I also had, I had two titles. One is kind of funny, but the other, I think what I was leaning towards was what, like you said, or alluded to, it doesn't quite give away a major thing in the episode. So the episode title that I came up with was The Bro Code. Okay. So there's a common theme here in the episode, which is you have Seth going to bat for Ryan and trying to like figure out, not even just once, 
twice actually when he first denies that he knows anything about Ryan's whereabouts. Oh yeah. Even though he definitely knows. Lies to cops. And then second when he, you know he he goes and he puts him in the um in this empty house situation. Um so I mean, I mean, there's multiple times too when he he is essentially pleading to his parents. But the other bro code is that Luke, despite having just you know pummeled this pummeled Ryan and, and left him in this burning house, uh-huh. he goes back, gets him out, makes sure he doesn't die, yep. then gives him a ride, takes him to the Cohen's house, and then also admits to the police that he was there. Yep. And goes away in handcuffs with Ryan. Yep. Which is not something you would have expected from Luke. No, even in the so in the ninety bro- minutes we knew we've known Luke for, that was very out of character already. It's bro code. Yeah. Um, and then my but my other funny comical title would have been a squatter in a skirmish. <laughs> and, spaghetti <laughs> spaghetti stra- <just> <laughs> and spaghetti straps. Spaghetti straps. Just alliteration. As much alliteration as possible. Oh, I like that. Squatter in a skirmish. A squatter in a skirmish. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think Luke had a, a quite a final couple scenes of the of this episode, which maybe we'll talk about um, later on. So we like to talk about our favorite scene nominees, which kind of helps us at least get into the episode. So if you have watched the episode, you might have your own favorite scenes. If you have seen this show a long time ago this might jog free some memories for you um but i have a i have a whole host of nominees this episode was very scattered at the beginning i would agree yeah i would agree with that because the show starts i don't want to get in i'm not we're not going to go through scene by scene but the show starts kind of on the heels of what happened last episode where ryan is brought back to the cohen's home because his mother his mom is gone from the home, from his home yes. in Chino. Um, and now he's living in the height of luxury, lounging in a swimming pool. Yeah, but he's about to sign his life away to uh, the system and be put in a home or possibly go for foster care. So it's very like, they have to close that loop a little bit. So the first beginning of the episode is kind of flat, and there's a but there's definitely some jokes and cracks in there. Um, and so I just, I, I think it's, that's the other, like a little bit of everything also kind of goes with just what's going on in the whole episode as a name for the show and why I picked this one, because we definitely get into a bunch of different things and it feels like it's a little more scattered than the first episode. Well, yeah. I mean, they have to, they have to stage a last supper for, for Ryan. Yeah. And yeah. You have like the, the, the weekend is ending and they know that on Monday he's going to be signed away to the state basically. Yep. So they have like this family dinner where Kirsten has cooked a meal and both Sandy and Seth are sort of taken aback by it. Like you never cook. Yeah. What is going on? Clearly this is somewhat alluding to her feeling a little guilt for having to send this kid away and wanting to prepare a nice meal for him. Yep. And they all sit down at the table and eat together. Uh, and then of course you get the, okay, we're going to bed. Ryan can't sleep. Suddenly Ryan's packing up to leave. Seth interrupts him. They devise a plan to like in an instant. Yeah. It hits Seth like a lightning bolt. 
And and that leads to my favorite scene. Okay. Or one a of nominee. my a nominee, yes. Which is when Ryan meets Marissa at the end of the driveway. Okay. Again, where they had first met initially in episode one. This is... Nothing like a good old end of the driveway hang. <laughs> right, right. And he's still in his leather jacket and his hoodie hoodie sweatshirt in August in California. And he's waiting for Seth. And he's waiting for Seth, <laughs> yes. And and he, Marissa tries to thank him, I guess, for saving her from alcohol poisoning or something. When, he, you know, she says, hey. And then he says, hey. And they do this breathy, hey. breathy haze. Hey, that's a Ryan. Hey. Yeah, it's 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 gonna happen hey. a lot. Um, and they do that. They do the hey exchange, and then she says something along the lines of, "Thanks, uh, you know, about the other night. Thank you." And it's like, yeah, when you were laid to to die in your driveway, and he carried you inside yeah. like the white knight that he is. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Um, and then he makes this comment that I, I don't know the first, like at first I was like, okay. And then I was, I thought about it and I was like, this is definitely a precursor to something. He asks her, do you always drink like that? Mm. Or do you always drink that much? Yep. I was like, that's a weird question. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. clearly that was planted for, as a little seedling for later on. Yep. Um, yeah. And then of course. For the comic relief, Seth shows up finally at the end of the driveway (laughs) and he's wearing his black turtleneck. And Marissa immediately is like, what are you guys doing? He's in all black. He's He's in in black pants. He's got a skateboard. (laughs) And, and, uh, and, and he was like, we're not, we're not up to anything. And she, she calls it out. She's like, I know you guys are up to something. And Ryan says to Seth, the black turtleneck in August is probably what tipped her off. Oh, yeah? How about the gray hoodie and leather the jacket, Ryan? Ja- I know, right? What? That's what kills me. What you, yeah. Oh. And then, well, the other little detail in that scene, that was not one of my nominees, um, is Marissa's holding a gift, and Seth says, like, oh, you, you're going to a birthday party that I didn't get invited to? You know, like he, like a second grader would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, it's my friend Summer's birthday. And Seth says, Summer's birthday's not till Wednesday without a beat. And Marissa's like, what? It's like, I, I think I've, I've heard, I've heard, so I heard that, that it's, it's Wednesday. <laughs> because, uh, because once again, uh, as we know, Seth is obsessed with Summer. Um, yeah, they're doing a great job of an episode two early in making it very clear how obsessed with Summer he is. Yeah. Knows her birthday. Um, named a boat after her. Named a boat after her. And, uh, and a couple other moments in this episode too. So I particularly liked the scene that came kind of on the heels of that one where they're in this so the first like 25 or 30 minutes is a Seth Cohen tour de force it was (laughs) it was like they knew they needed to give him a really good 30 minute like chunk where a lot of good lines very snappy because he didn't get a lot of play in the first episode as far as other than that, maybe the scene in the pool house. So he gets to really shine in these first 30 minutes. And one of the scenes I liked was Seth and Ryan are getting driven to the model home by Marissa (laughs) and they're listening to music 
and Seth kind of, you know, he's, <laughs> this is the whole punk exchange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Marissa says, they start talking about music and Marissa starts listing off the bands that she likes. I did not write the clash sex pistols. So you did write it down like punk. Yeah. Um, and Seth has this realization as he's sitting in the back seat. he says out loud, like I listen to the same music as Marissa Cooper and like all of, <laughs> all of what Seth thought he was made him cool. So original. And yeah. And, uh, and contrarian to the, the OC people he hangs out with. Um, kind of came crashing down a little bit. And there's another moment later on. He's rep- Jack Kerouac's On the Road gets referenced a couple times. And in the second time, it comes up with uh, Marissa around. And Marissa's like, like On the Road, I love that book. It's my favorite book. <laughs> I and missed Seth, that. And Seth goes, that's my favorite book too. <laughs> Just <laughs> Like you're again. not as unique as you think yes. you are. Yep. Yes. Um, so I, I liked, I bet I liked that, that scene with, Marissa, Ryan, and Seth, where we just get a little bit about Marissa and again, get a little bit about her that seems not quite like the surfer girl that they try to make her out to be with her hair always in like sea salt flow and um, kind of a little bit like vacant stare that she's listening to punk music and loves on yeah, the road. She has which some is a depth to her. Book, but that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, I could not get through it. Yep. I tried. Not great. Not great. Did not that, enjoy it. So Anyways. sidebar, we'll take a step into our own lives as as teenagers. Did I mean I guess that's something that every teen experiences where you are really, really into something that you are so confident other kids in your class are not into. And that like sets you apart and makes you, you know, deep or something. What, was there something that you were really interested in, either a piece of literature or music or even like film that you were like, this is something that I like and it define. it's like specific to my personality and what I like? No, I don't think there was anything for me like really? that. No, I just oh. wanted to fit in. Oh, uh, see, I loved being different. Yeah. I was like really into Edgar Allan Poe. Mm. I read all of the Edgar Allan Poe like short stories and I was like into my creative writing. So I would try to write these similar like twisty, dark stories, kind of creepy. Um, And I would I would enter writing contests and poetry contests. And I thought I was so, you know, hip, but like not hip, not not cool in the traditional way. I just knew I was a little different. Yeah. I think I just, I just knew, I, I just wanted to, I was also in a school that was very small. So I just felt like, and homogeneous said everything. Yeah. Well, you went to all boys school for, for middle school, but not for high school. That's true. So no, I don't have anything that I can think of right now that stands out to me as like my stake in the ground that this makes me different. Mm. Yeah. Music. I remember like Napster being a thing and it allowed you to discover all these songs that steal. It's pronounced steal, not discover. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It allowed you to steal all these songs just like bit by bit. And I remember discovering some of these old songs that I was like, yeah, these are like my jams. And my, my dad being like, what are you listening? That doesn't make you different or cool. That's yeah. just stuff that I used to listen to. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, any other scenes that you particularly liked? Um, yes, I would say, uh, I mean, I don't want to skip ahead too much and I know that people who 
might not necessarily be actively rewatching the OC, but maybe they watched it back in 03. This scene is going to make them remember. It's when they're all Marissa, Ryan, and Luke, not Luke, I'm sorry, Marissa, Ryan, and Seth are all at the restaurant, whatever the, the, the diner, the diner kind of place. Yep. And this is after they've kind of hatched their plan. Right? Like, isn't, I think it's after they've hatched their plan. Like, they're all kind of together and... They've already hatched their plan. Yeah. They, they are getting food because it was the one thing they realized they didn't bring Ryan. Right. Like, they had already brought him, like, a loofah, <laughs> toilet yeah. paper. Like, he's already in the model home. Yes. He's had a night... He's already spent the night there. Yes. And yep. they went and, they're, and now they're having food. And, and Luke shows up. And immediately, it's like, Luke and his cronies are like, they can't be seen with Marissa or it's going to cause trouble. Yeah. So they try to sneak out the back door where they can't go out that door. So they have to go out the front door and it causes a scene. And well, it causes a scene because Ryan runs into the waitress. They were about Seth to get does. out. Or Seth does. One of them. Yeah. And then Luke comes out of nowhere. And of course they get into a scuffle. But my favorite thing. I like how you call it a scuffle. Ryan punched Luke in the face. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but not before saying my favorite <laughs> yeah, line. Yeah. You know what I like about rich kids? Punch. Nothing. Nothing. And then they really runs off. <laughs> yeah. Well, that whole scene is great because they're sitting around. This is when, uh, that's when the Jack Kerouac moment happens. Because uh, Seth is like, this is, this could be the beginning of our North America pancake tour. Yeah. Which um, actually it's not even pancakes. It's like apple pie and ice cream or something. Yeah. From on the road. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's a different Kerouac story. Um, anyway, so they have that moment. Luke and his buddies walk in and Luke, as soon, like Luke, his ass is barely in the seat and they just, Josh, Jason Schwartz who wrote it or Josh Schwartz who wrote it must've just been like, what is one line we could give Luke to make him seem like, again, a total D bag. And he just goes, what does it take to get a menu around here? <laughs> like, <laughs> like he, he hasn't just, even, he hasn't he even sat just down. just sat down. You know what it takes? Waiting like, 15 seconds for the waitress to come over and bring him to you. That's what it takes, Luke. Also, he he struts into that restaurant like an old cowboy entering a saloon in an old-time western. Yeah, and it's like his in his button-down short-sleeve shirt. Chest exposed. Yeah. yeah, it's he is uh he is he is just He's, all the stereotypes you would want in a in a water polo douchebag as we like as we like to call him, as we <laughs> called him last week. Um, yeah, that's a great scene. It also made me realize something. Like he okay, they get into the fight at the diner. Why aren't people why aren't more people concerned that Luke is getting into so many fights lately? Like think about it. Mar- He's been in a lot of fights well, in the, the last t- 48 hours. By the time we get to the end of this episode, Ryan and Luke personally have had three of their own fights there was the beach fight this uh ryan punches him in the diner and then later on in the model home which will which we can talk about later there are three fights in the first two episodes just between those two guys yeah and marissa each time defends him saying like he gets protective and or sometimes he just gets like that yeah, which makes it funny, seem like he fights a lot yeah yeah or picks or picks on people i mean he called, he, he uses horrible names and is also just like, if he doesn't use a horrible name, his, his insults are terrible. I think he's, Marissa told Luke to leave Ryan alone in that, di- in that diner scene too. Yeah. And 
Lucas, what are you, the spokesperson for ner- like Nerds Ner- of America or something? Yes, I, can't, yes. I didn't write it it's down. Something it's like something that. like Dorks of America, and he just got, and his cronies are like, "Oh, that's hilarious." I know that that <laughs> Luke is probably the most. I gotta I gotta say it. Luke is probably the most unrealistic character out of all of these people. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's a, a cartoon yeah. version of a bully. Yeah, they just turned him up to a thirteen for sure. Yeah. Um. Any other any other scenes? that stand out to you that you liked? Uh, yes. So I'm going to go ahead and get to the scene. My all time, I would say I would rank this higher on my favorite scene nominees. It's Ryan and Marissa. It's the we're from different worlds scene. Ah, this is when, I have this one too. This is when Marissa is at the house. It's evening. There are candles. It's when she gives him the mix CD. Oh, I did. This is right. Isn't it like she makes the CD for him? No, it's we're, they're having she a moment. It's back. just the two she of them. She comes back yeah. after because she's at Marissa's at the party. She's at Holly's house that's, again. That's right. Again, Holly Holly's house is just the party house, and they're all they're all talking trash about Ryan at the party. That's right. And then she um, gets frustrated because and she, because quote he got all up in Luke's grill was the line that I wrote down. <laughs> Which I thought was just amazing, and and um, uh, one of his one of Luke's buddies like that guy that Chino Bunk was all up in Luke's grill, and they were talking trash. So Marissa just Marissa and like some crazy impulsive just runs out of the party because they were being mean about Ryan. Well, she's back. like, you don't even know him like yeah. I do. Yeah, and she says to Summer at some point like, have you have you ever thought about like what your life looks like through other people's eyes? And Summer's like, this is what I'm talking about. You're being so weird. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to Summer. We haven't talked enough about Summer yet. I mean, we got all season, but... um, Yeah, so that's when she goes back to Ryan's... To the model home and sees... And 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 kind of barges in on Ryan because he's by himself. He thinks he's just going to be alone for the night. And he's going to get on a bus the next morning to go to Austin or somewhere. Yes, he's going to Texas. Yes. So Marissa goes there and it seems like it's an attempt to make him stay. Mm -hmm. And he tells Marissa, we're from different worlds. It's like, it's not going to work. We're from different worlds. I don't know what you're doing here. And he tells her, go, just go. And he, he tells her to go so much that she actually runs away upset and leaves him. Yep. Um, and then the song Hallelujah plays in the mm-hmm. background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Takes you back in time. Yep. And yeah, and then of course then we see Luke he sees Marissa running out of the house upset and then he sees uh Ryan kind of trailing behind her, although Marissa doesn't realize that Ryan trailed behind her. Yeah, but Luke is And Luke is so smart. Bros. He put it together that they must be having a thing Mm -hmm. and therefore he's got to get into another Another, fight or a skirmish. Ding. Round three. (laughs) Ryan and Luke. Yes. So like I I really liked that uh, that scene and I'll and I'll explain why. Um, It kind of it it obviously states that it sets it up right. Like there's going to be I'm assuming for the next three or four whatever three seasons. I don't even know how long this series goes, but I'm assuming it's three or four seasons. It's four seasons. Okay. You're assuming that the Ryan and Marissa love arc is going to be a common through line. Yeah. And and this sets it up in a way that's like, okay, we understand. We It's a, it's a Romeo and Juliet situation here, except minus 
one family. <laughs> it's an orphan kid, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's the Capulets and uh, just a kid. And just a kid <laughs> from Chino. Yeah. Um, so, so it gives you that idea, but then also you realize that Ryan, at least in this scene, is the one sacrificing because he desperately wants to have something with Marissa, but he feels like it's she's better off if he just tells her to go. Right. There's well, there's also so my last scene I had actually is the mirror image of the one you like that came earlier. So the other thing that stood out to me about that scene was Ryan saying basically, oh, you want me to just hang out for the good of for your own sake. There's that vibe too in that scene where he says something like, what do I hang out here for the next couple of weeks? And then you start school and I'm just like hanging out and not right. doing what That's you're all point. doing. And I'm like left behind. Why am I going to stay here just for this, for for your sake? Like I'm just a, th- whatever, like I'm just a dude to hang out Boy with and, and make you feel like you're doing something dangerous. You know, <laughs> That's true. That's um, true. So the other, the other, the last scene I had was the scene when they actually first get to the model home and Seth is bringing them on the grand tour of this half built, half finished, um, house. It's huge. I mean, this is like a huge, huge home. And also, I don't know if you caught it at the beginning of the episode when the model home is sitting on the kitchen table, like the very Mm -hmm, first scene. mm -hmm. And Kirsten says, I make those. Well, not model homes, but the real versions. And Ryan jokingly says, can you You build a house for me? me?" And then later on, he's actually living in one uh, and then burning it down later. Um, But they go to the back and there's an empty pool and Ryan and Marissa are very unimpressed with the empty pool, but Seth is Seth is like, no, this is amazing. And then the next scene, he's skateboarding in the empty pool, and Ryan and Marissa are sitting, and they end up talking about their dads. Mm-hmm. And um, and this might help us talk a little bit about Jimmy Cooper. So Ryan says, you know, my dad's in jail um, for like armed robbery or yes. something, and and um, and then Marissa's like, I think my dad's in trouble. Two, there's these guys that keep coming to the house who look like they're cops or police or investigators or something, and they keep asking for my dad. And um, so I liked that scene. As yeah, well. because she confides in him, and she hasn't she hasn't told anybody, anybody about it, about, not even Summer. Yeah, about her suspicion of what's going on, and she just she's got this feeling like there's something worse than than what her dad is letting on. Um, so I kind of like that scene. You get Seth in the background. Um, skateboarding skateboarding and then luke calls and interrupts the conversation and because he's at the party and he's like babe where are you at the party it's not a party without you here babe and the use of babe and then um ryan asks marissa so how long has that been going on and marissa's like i don't know and then seth stops skateboarding he's like i know exactly when it when it happened (laughs) it was in the fifth grade in the back of the bus when Another great 2003 phrase. You and Luke got your Mac on. Yeah. Uh, was I the remember phrase that, that phrase. Uh, so I, I thought that was, I liked that scene. Just well, I also it, liked it because it kind of sets Seth up as being Marissa's like brother. Yeah. It, it's almost like I'm going to rat you out. Yeah. Well, that's just what Seth does. Yeah. He likes, he likes to do that to everybody. But um, it like I do all the, we've talked about most of those scenes with the three of them because they are kind of the central force of this episode in particular. And I liked that. I liked that they, that the three of them came together and shared a secret 
to in order to to try to help someone that they mutually cared about. Yep. And it was these three characters who normally would not have come together, right? Marissa has lived next door to Seth, but Seth has said multiple times, you have never talked to me. You have never made any effort to even get to know me or have anything to do with me. So they clearly are opposites, even though they're neighbors. And, and you have Brian's from Chino. Yep. Who was only there because of Sandy Cohen being his defense attorney. Right. So like the three of them coming together to, to achieve something, even if it all burned, you know, went up in flames, literally it, it was not, I don't know. It felt good. Yeah, it was great. It was like the kind of had that, I don't know, 80s movie kind of vibe where you get, yeah. you get like just a couple just the a group of kids of- doing something together while the rest of the world is spinning around them. Like you're watching this, but um, I mentioned Jimmy Cooper. So Jimmy Cooper is Marissa's father, who is also, um, you know, someone who Kirsten Seth's mother used to date. They're like childhood friends and they dated. And Jimmy Cooper is, as Marissa said in that scene um, with Ryan, he is in trouble. He's an investment, like a, I get, I get the sense he's like a investment banker or has his wealth own management. wealth management kind of company and does a lot of um, investment for it Sounds like he was doing some people. Bernie, Bernie Madoff things. Maybe? Yeah, it, basically I think the gist is he lost, He was he's losing a lot of money. And so he is in trouble and we watch that kind of start to happen a little bit more in this in this episode. The first episode, the only scene we really get a sense that something wrong is going on is when the two men come to the door and Shailene Woodley answers the door, <laughs> playing the eight-year-old daughter of Jimmy Cooper and the eight-year-old sister of Marissa. And she like, I think it was, right, it wasn't Marissa. Or was it Marissa who answered the door? Which was in the first episode? Yeah. yeah, it was Marissa. It was Marissa. So Marissa interacts with these with these men who are looking for her dad and who like her dad is just dodging them. And so Jimmy Cooper is actually in trouble. And we see another scene in the model home, which kind of I'm talking about like these three and then the world kind of just going on without, you know, without them or whatever, whatever, whatever else is going on in the episode. Yeah. Jimmy Cooper asks Kirsten for one hundred thousand dollars in the model home, in the model home, while Seth, Marissa and Ryan are all in the home and they're eavesdropping on the conversation. And so that kind of then leads to Marissa learning this thing about her dad and then watching her dad ask Seth's mom mom, for money and so that's another kind of like little arc of story that you know is important to the rest of the the rest of the season and we also meet Jimmy's wife Julie Cooper who is the reason why Jimmy has no money basically is the gist we get yeah or the kids and I I have to say that is where the 2021 hindsight, that's part of my 2021 Great. Then we'll, then we'll leave it until we get to that, to that piece, which is, which will be a second. But I just, I think we, we got so focused on those three because those scenes were all really good that there was a bunch of other things going on. And those, those, those sets of scenes were very much in like the middle third of the episode because the house burns down and then Ryan disappears for a little bit and they're all looking for him. Luke's the one who finds him on the side of the road, walking walking down the road. Seth and Sandy are driving around the OC looking for him. So there's like a bunch of other things going on during this episode too. Um, who do you think won the episode? 
Oh, that's an easy one for me. I would say Seth. Yeah. I mean, Seth just constantly advocating for Ryan to the point of absolute destruction. <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, I, Seth, I think Seth is the winner. And I'm going to try really hard to not pick Sandy or Seth for next week. Yeah, that's a good rule. We got to maybe you, you got to mix it up a little bit. Well, I hope that the, it's like the kindergarten. Writing, Everyone gets a star of the day, a <laughs> star of the week every week. Well, I hope that I hope that the writing lends itself to that, too, that it's not going to be just that at some point the female characters are going to take uh, right have more of a presence. I think you could make an argument for Marissa for this episode. That's she true. had a pretty good episode as far as the stuff we learned about her. Um, the scenes that she was in were all pretty good. She was part of that that crew that was running around and and up to stuff. Um, and she seems this episode made her seem way cooler than the first episode. Um, we've uh, yeah, I think I think maybe as we continue to watch, we might reflect on this episode and realize like, oh, Marissa was this might have been one of her better episodes. Okay, um, well you've seen it before. I've I seen haven't. it before, but I think she was she was pretty good in this one. Less, yeah. Um, I mean, she was like willing to help. She she instead of going straight to her best friend's birthday party, she drove these two morons around without really having a plan. Yeah, uh, and then helped them get supplies and kind of came in on their their getaway plan. Yep. So also can't really blame Marissa for half blowing off Summer's party when the night before Summer just left her on her right in front of her doorstep. <laughs> like what? A, left her for dead with alcohol her, poisoning. Yeah. Right. Like what the, I, I, that was the, that was the night before. And I'll tell you what, Marissa is quite, uh, quite peppy for that, for having a right, night that's like, like that. A, that's a three day hangover. Oh man. Yeah. She At weighs least. like 85 pounds. I mean, right. Golly. That's to be young. Yeah. So I, I said Seth as well, but I think you could make an argument for Marissa. You could make an argument for Luke, not just not because he was great in it, but he does have a pretty good solid final 15 minutes between burning down the house, mm. saving Ryan, picking Ryan up on the side of the road, and then also will, willingly giving himself to the cops because when he picked Ryan up, he did say to Ryan, um, if you keep your mouth shut and I keep my mouth shut, no one has to know that it was us who did this. And Ryan kind of scoffed because it's the perfect, you want to talk about like the perfect little picture of privilege. Mm -hmm. That was it where Luke just figures we can get away with this if we just don't say anything. And Ryan just laughs. Yeah. That's, that's not He's like, you're giving me a ride, and this <laughs> yeah. is where we're going. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to go home. <laughs> okay, 2021 hindsight. Uh, yeah, well, the first most obvious one. So this is where we kind of take things from 2003 and look at them through the 2021 lens that we are currently living in. So this could just be things that are funny because 2003 was a different world, like a mixtape from Marissa, um, or mixed could be CD. Mixed CD. Or it could be something that's a little bit more cringy or things that maybe just wouldn't make it onto TV in 2021 because they were just a little bit off color. Yeah. So I would say the first obvious one for me is just Luke and his language. In the diner scene. Let's get that boy some soap. <laughs> well, I mean, I not, not that kids today have any have better language, but it's more... Uh, 
he he just uses the word queer again. He called. He, I don't know who it was that said something to him, but in the diner, Seth. it's probably Seth. He yep. just whatever Seth said, he goes, "Shut up, queer." Yeah, it's like stop it, stop saying that. You said that in episode one as well. Seth didn't say anything. Seth knocked into the waitress, and so all the guys turned and looked at Seth, and Seth was just trying to distract the guys from seeing Ryan. And so Seth just says, oh, hey, guys. Oh, you like you like the food here, too? It's pretty good, right? Yeah. And then Luke just says, shut up, queer. Yeah, it doesn't make like any that, sense. And the, the first time he said it was, was Seth just saying, hey. hey, Luke. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So that I would say, yeah, let's nix that. That doesn't quite hold up in 2021. Yep. Uh, the other, you know, the you mentioned Julie before. Julie... Um, Marissa's mom and the fact that it's she's basically getting blamed for Jimmy's financial ruin and the way that they're blaming her <laughs> okay this is good the way that they're blaming her is they're presenting Julie as this as this wife who came who only who just got lucky that she got knocked up by a wealthy man from a good family and just spends money and cares about horse horses for her daughter, her youngest daughter, and new purses for her oldest daughter, and needs all of these things, and is constantly hounding him about the things they have to buy, and that he is just a man who can't say no and is willing to do anything for his family. Okay. And it sounds to me like, no, Jimmy just maybe made some bad investment choices. And didn't manage his money correctly and let his wife go crazy. But I don't know that necessarily it was Julie's fault as like she's the wife with no substance who's just out to spend money and have, you know, nice things. But Tiff, the horse has alopecia. <laughs> that, that line. <laughs> really. OK, um, I, I agree with you. That is a that is a fair point. And I think Jimmy comes across as like a little bit of a bumbling fool, right? Yeah. He just, he's but just he's got this like, but so I, I don't, I, I, you know, I, I, I just don't know what, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't know. I'm, and he's sitting behind his desk with all these papers and his massive Apple computer. That's definitely a 2021 kind of funny thing to see. And the one time he does try to talk to Julie about it, Julie's, Julie just, Julie gives a ridiculous answer, which is, Sweetheart, you don't have cancer. <laughs> Everything's fine. Whatever's wrong, just fix it. I don't want to talk to you about business. Yeah. So Jimmy does try, and Julie wants. Julie just wants you to write that check. <sighs> Cut the check. I honey. just that stereotype, like having her wear, like, and also she's just in those velour track track <laughs> suits that were so popular in that era yep. that was like very Britney Spears and the Kardashians, you know, wearing these velour yep. tracks, and track suits. Housewives, real housewives. Right. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so it's just, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to, to put this persona on her character and, but it's making Julie seem like, <laughs> like the wife that's responsible for Jimmy's ruin. And I, I don't know. I don't. I just don't feel like that holds up in 2021. Yeah, that's my take. Anyway, that's fair. anything else? Um, there were a couple other things, but let's. What do you have? So I have just. I had phrases. <laughs> yeah. I I already 
mentioned a couple of them, but I think they're always worth returning to. Maybe people want to, if we want to bring them back to our uh, lexicon nowadays. The we've heard "Get Your Mac On" a couple <laughs> times, which I think is hilarious. We heard also Luke said to Seth, I think, "I'm gonna break you," which was another <laughs> very of the time statement. Like, you want to break you, bro? Um, the desktop computer I mentioned. They are massive, just these like those old Apple um, well, computers. We have that are, one, and we have one in our in our apartment. That's the, the one that, that Seth uses. It's that dome. It's like the base. The whole hard drive was like a dome shape, and then it had the monitor that was a flat screen monitor that kind of pivoted around. It was yeah, a, it was connected just by a like a metal rod. Yeah, yeah. The I'm and it had the CD ROM that. Right in the center yep. of the dome. Yep. Anyway, that was my college desktop. Yep. I was, however, I think one of the few people in college that had a desktop because it was also the same year that Dell was like really pushing those beefy laptops. Laptops. Yep. Everyone wanted a laptop. Yeah. Uh, he was all up in Luke's grill. So just, you know, being up in people's grills. <laughs> yep. Really great phrase. And then the mix, the mix CD the that Marissa gave was another. So not necessarily things that don't hold up, but just things that are certainly of, um, of a time. Any fashion? So my only fashion note this time is Marissa. I pay more attention to what the ladies are wearing also because I, um, aside from Seth, who has a crazy amount of graphic tees, um, Ryan is just really wearing like a white shirt with That's all he has. shirt over it. Like That's some all he has. button up shirt. Yeah. So he doesn't really change up his look. Yeah. Just white uh, beaters. Or <laughs> right. I and don't then, know what we call those now. And then as you had mentioned too, I don't know if you actually mentioned this on the podcast or not, but the women seem to always be wearing bikinis whenever they're at parties or be scantily clad, which is fine. I mean, I definitely dressed, you know, in summertime, I definitely dressed with as little clothing as possible when I was that mm-hmm. age. So it, it comes with that time. But my outfit choice, or I shouldn't say my outfit choice, my outfit observation is the, I call them baby cap sleeve tees or the like cap sleeve baby tees. I think that's the, probably the appropriate fashion phrase. Marissa likes to wear these sometimes. So spaghetti straps, yes, but it's like the the tees that kind of have like the little sleeves that have the little sleeves like this. Yeah, I'm trying yeah, to yeah. show him, and I'm moving my mic around. Yep. Um, so she's wearing like a baby blue cap sleeve tee with this really low rise skirt that kind of sits below the knee, and I think I had a very similar outfit, likely from Aeropostale or Aeropostale. Yeah. Or maybe from, what was the other one that Abercrombie owned? American Eagle? No, there was another one. It was like being with an H. An M? Nope. Hollister. Hollister. Yep, Hollister. Hollister was, yeah, it was very Hollister looking outfit. For sure. I don't really have any fashion. Luke, we mentioned his kind of half buttoned up it's like the bikini version of the douchebag guys uh, in this. <laughs> just like not wearing an undershirt yeah no undershirt buttoned basically to like the middle of the chest short very sleeve. california yeah and he shaves his chest come on yep that's right seth let us know about that i mean he's a water polo player yeah and um 
then I think you mentioned Seth's fashion, which I just always appreciate throughout the whole the graphic the tees. whole series. Yeah, like the graphic tees. Some of them will show up multiple times. I noticed one he was wearing in this episode, I think. I think it was this episode or it was the first one with the 78. It's like a kind of a, this just says 78 on, on the shirt, but the 78 isn't quite complete. So like the seven is kind of cut off and the, so is the, the eight. It's not a full number 78 and it's okay. in rainbow colors. That will show up a couple of times. He wears some really like very loud striped polos that are all very tight. Um, kind of like just does he ever pop the, his collar when did that start so. happening was that 2007 i think we're i think we're in about that time i okay. think 2003 would be that. but seth is not a pop collar guy that's true he's very, a very folded true. over let's fold the collar over kind of guy but his fashion is always just kind of fun to or watch let's wear a long sleeve tee underneath the polo kind of guy yeah yep <laughs> that had a little run um so that fashion and then it's not quite fashion but I want to start keeping track a little bit better track of the posters that are in Seth's room. Oh yes. So he's got uh, the one I noted this week that showed up in a few different spots was the um, Ramones, but Seth's room is very is very much made to feel like what a college kid's room might look like. Seth is the kid who is who is going to be cool in college. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yes. He would show up to college, he would find his people, and he would be going to concerts. Probably he's probably, you know, wanting wants to go to I can't he I would honestly find can't people remember. that would appreciate his snarky commentary. Yeah. Probably on the East Coast. <laughs> yes. Let's be honest. Yes. I can't remember if there's anything about colleges in the in this whole series. So but he just he's definitely one of those kids who's going to be cool in college and the his wall and all that stuff kind of lends itself to what what uh, what a college kid's room would kind of look like plastered with posters and of of concerts and bands and movies and stuff. Let's move on to the reality check segment. Okay. And I'm I really just want you to take this segment because I know that you have a particular Sports oh, observation. Thank you. I didn't have you, this in the reality check. I had it later on, but this is perfect. I remember when we were watching this, you called it out as it was happening, and I was like, "I am not paying that close of attention." What are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, do you want to go ahead and clarify what you observed? Of course. Okay. It takes. It has to do with the NBA. So this is perfect. Jimmy Cooper is lounging on his couch, watching TV, and his wife walks in and she says it now we're getting the sense that this is like August. Usually this show kind of matches up with the time frame that the show airs. Right. So it's like middle August summer's just about ending. Um, it's like, and, he's like watching ESPN classic or something. So Julie's like, there's still NBA basketball on. I thought the season was over. And he says, no, no, honey, there's a whole channel. There's an entire channel. It's called ESPN Classic. And they just play the classic games. And so, and she's like, oh. It's like, this 1986 finals, Lakers-Pistons. Oh, I hate Isaiah Thomas, but James Worthy, James Worthy was big time. He came through and the Lakers won. And I was watching, I said, this is 
so egregiously wrong and it makes me so angry too that it is a Lakers error <laughs> and giving the Lakers the championship in 1986. The Boston goddamn Celtics won the championship in 1986 with what many would consider one of the best teams in NBA history. And you know who didn't even make the goddamn finals that year? The Los Angeles Lakers. They didn't even make the finals that year. The two teams that they reference in this scene did not even play in the finals. The Pistons and the Lakers, as you pointed out later on, played in the 1988 finals. And I think the Lakers beat the Pistons, but I don't care about that. I care about Jimmy Cooper watching ESPN Classic and having no idea what he's watching. So then you found a little blurb about this moment because this is, I'm not the only one to find this egregious error that makes me want to stop watching the show. Yes, apparently there are websites dedicated to OC fandom and also that like to outline the bloopers or the mistakes of every episode. How how this particular episode didn't have more mistakes, I'm I'm so shocked by, but the one that they noted was essentially what Sean just said, except they observed, which I did not even notice, that apparently it's a voiceover when he says 1986. His mouth is saying 1988, but actually, if you look at his lips, it looks like he's saying 1988. Uh, sorry. If you look at his lips, it looks like he's saying 1988, but the voice that you hear is, says 1986. Yep. So obviously you heard 1986 and immediately it flagged in your brain as being incorrect. Yeah. And this is what happens when East Coasters do a, a podcast about Not West East Coasters, Coast. Celtics fans. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. I am from the middle of the country. It doesn't matter to me, but... It matters to me, Tiff. I know. It matters know. to me. Don't poop. Uh, don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I was more impressed that you even noticed it right away and you were really, you were ready to throw down immediately. Yep. yep. I was angry. So, so yeah. So it, it, it appears to be some kind of voiceover mistake. Yep. He might've mumbled his way through the line and then they have guy. they, you know, they sometimes come back. If you watch TV closely enough, there's definitely a lot of scenes where you see the back of people's heads or the side and they're talking and the talking does not match up with the words because right. they don't say that the camera doesn't or the mic doesn't get them and they have to go back into the studio and just dub it over. This is straight on like Jimmy Cooper just lounging right on head first. I did not go back and watch to see if it looked like he said 1988. Maybe maybe I'll do that this weekend Yeah, um, when I have some time. But anyways, that was my one reality check because I didn't really have anything. There's nothing in the show that stood out to me no, except I mean, for okay. the only thing, I'm sorry, the beginning of the episode the time frame of everything felt really strange to me because they have dinner the fa the cohen's have dinner with ryan ryan wants to just chill out so he is in bed kind of like tossing and turning in bed he gets he decides he's going to get up and go and run away he packs his stuff up seth catches him leaving the pool house it's dark it is dark out mm -hmm. in california i don't know what time sunset is in august um but Seth wanders, is just catches him leaving the pool house, and he's like, hey, do you want to play video games? And then they may have to hatch the plan, and then Ryan goes to the driveway after they hatch the plan, and Marissa's waiting for a ride to this party. What the hell time is it? <laughs> what the hell time is it? And then Sandy goes into Seth's room when Ryan's waiting on the end of the driveway. 
Yes. And Sandy comes into Seth's room and is like, hey, uh, I, I just want to talk to you about Ryan. I know you're probably upset that he's leaving tomorrow. And Seth's pretending to be asleep, super awkward in bed because he's dressed in all black because he's about to sneak out. And Sandy's like, you're already asleep? And Seth's like, yeah, I'm going, I'm going to bed. It was all like Ryan was in bed, then he got up to run away. But was it eight o'clock? Marissa's just going to a party and then they still have time to drive to the model home. Yeah. So that whole sequence was very strange to me. Well, according to timeanddate.com. 7.45, 7.43. That the sun set on Tuesday, August 12th, 2003, the sun set at 7.43 p.m. Okay. Not quite a reality check, but that whole sequence of events, all in the dark after dinner, felt incongruous to me. Anyways, that's my Yeah, I think my only other little like nitpick I guess would be how is it that when Kirsten Kirsten and uh, Jimmy Cooper pull up to the model home they don't see that Marissa's car is already there mm, where, did, where did Marissa park kind yeah, of thing like, yeah like did she it's so strange I don't know I just thought that was so strange yep it's a good point but I mean that stuff like that happens. There's definitely more questionable things that happen in fictional shows than that. So I'm not gonna. I didn't even feel like it was worth mentioning. But I do love that you brought up the uh, sports incongruency. Yep. <laughs> right away. Yep. Right away. <laughs> okay. All well, right. Last thing. Yes. Just before we before we go, is just a quick music check mm-hmm. and songs that were on the OC. I only found two that I like. I try to write them down as this show is going on, just to see if I and if I recognize any of them. The only two I recognized were "California" by Rufus Wainwright, of which course. is not the Phantom Planet version. It's another song called "California." Yes, he is outstanding. That song is really good. Um, there is a person who gets a shout out in that song when I was listening to it after um, from the Golden Girls. Uh, who's the Who's the tall golden girl like the b b arthur b arthur gets a shout out in that song oh nice yeah anyways um hallelujah by peter buckley which is referenced as the androids in the in the blog that we are in the website we're kind of using to help us a little bit which is oc.fandom.com which has a ton of information on the show they were they said it was by the androids but i don't think it was i think that might have been a mistake on their part um, we've got a song by Rooney, who I vaguely remember. I don't remember. Um, called I'm a Terrible Person. Caught by the River by the Doves. In Your Eyes by Aaron D. Hands Up by the Black Eyed Peas. Back-to-back Black Eyed Peas appearances. They were in yeah, last they week's They were hot too. back then. Um, Do It With Madonna by the Androids. Uh, we Were Going Out Tonight by Shady Lady. And we had a Robin Thicke yeah, song. I was trying to remember. Brand New Jones. No idea. I had no clue. So, yeah. So when this show would air, as you were watching it, uh, would you, like, take note of certain songs and be like, oh, I have to go look that up and download it? Or? Um, I, can't, I honestly can't remember. Because we would do that with Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, but that like was in later. Co- in co- I know. In college, I'm thinking, like, when we were watching Grey's Anatomy, there would be times when it's like, oh, this scene, what was the name of that song? And then we would try to Google it or, like, figure it out and then download the song. Yeah. I. So, for right now, I don't... Those songs in Grey's Anatomy were... 2003, s- I guess, was a weird time to download. 
music still took a really long time. Yeah, and uh, Grey's Anatomy made a point to make the song part of a scene. Yes. More so than these OC. The OC parts right now are very much, you get like, if you get 30 seconds of a song, you're getting a lot of a song. Grey's Anatomy, you'd get, you might get the whole song all the way through. The only song we've had that happen with is The Phantom Planet in the first episode and maybe Hallelujah by uh, Jeff Buckley here are probably the only two. But maybe as we go on, will there be more that are a little bit more Grey's Anatomy? Like there are, and there's callback songs. We're going to start, we're going to see songs that we've seen now show up again in certain, in certain scenes. So, um, but we should wrap it up. We'll be back with episode three next week. And thanks for listening to this one. Go back and listen to episode one if you didn't. And uh, go watch the show. It's on HBO Max. Or maybe you got a box set. Maybe there's something on eBay you could order maybe and just catch up. Maybe you have it on up. VHS tape yep. back in the day with those original commercials. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you could pirate it on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But we hope you're watching along with us. And we will see you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye.